Hi there, my name is Wade Murray. Welcome to the Great Green North Podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything about lawns with a Canadian twist. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. All right, everybody. So welcome to the uh, to the Great Green North Podcast with special guest Ryan DeMay coming in here. Wow, special, huh? I, I, special, yeah. That's that's uh, that's that's a, a illustrious introduction. I appreciate that, but. Uh, <laughs> Hey, I just want to talk some turf. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and and chat with you, and especially um, north of the border, some different, you know, some some differences and some similarities and all that kind of stuff. So, I I enjoy uh, thinking about uh, turf and lawns and stuff like that outside my comfort zone. That's what helps me get better. Anyway, at least it's it's kind of weird in a way, but uh, it also is super helpful. So, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and that that is kind of one of the big things up here too. Is that like I mean, we don't have any chems at all, pretty much. Uh, it's pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you get more in the western provinces up in Canada, you can get a little more near more of the agriculture centers. You might be able to go to farm supply store and pick up some stuff, but other than that, we're pretty much dry up here. So, a lot of our lawn stuff comes from more about like you know better cultural practices and taking care of stuff before it happens becomes an issue than treating it after right like you know Mm -hmm. having a thick stand of turf grass is always the best weed control in the end right Mm -hmm. no absolutely i think and and that's the part that uh you know i'm anxious to talk about a you know seen and learned a lot you know because of uh here less on the chemical restriction side but you know budget restrictions at some of the places that i used to work and you know lots of things to take care of and you can't really do as much as you want to chemically and things like that and then you know talk a little bit about uh you know this concept that i wouldn't say that we've developed it developed it but we've enhanced it and try to bring it you know uh greater notoriety you know we talk a lot about integrated pest management and i think that's good i think it's something that's maybe a little less understood in terms of the general public and what that really means um, but more so to the fact we call it integrated turf health management, right? So there's, you know, a bunch of other things uh, and inputs, right, that allow for us to manage uh, turf to be healthy, right, outside of just managing pests, right? So it's trying to take a holistic approach. So excited to dive in and talk about that and hear about, you know, some of the things that you faced and some of the things that your your listeners have faced. And, uh, you know, we won't solve all the world's problems tonight, you know, but uh, we'll try try yeah and see what you do all right so uh first i just didn't know if uh ryan you just wanted to take a minute to introduce yourself to maybe anybody who doesn't know who you are and and where you're from yeah no i appreciate again uh you know the the opportunity and uh you know so i'm just a i'm a lowly old grass grower uh from uh, ohio in the united states and uh currently live in the central part of the state in columbus which is the state capital i've lived here uh, for about 20 years, about half my life almost now. And, uh, you know, previous to uh, what I do now, which I'll get into in a second, I was uh, in, in the golf course business for a long time, for about 16 years. So when I was real, real young, uh, kind of worked my way up through the ranks and went to school for uh, turf grass management at uh, Ohio State University and got a couple of degrees from there in uh, turf grass management, turf grass science. And then fortunately, you know, kept descending in my career in golf and then after I'd reached kind of the mountaintop and been a golf course superintendent, I decided, well, it's time to get out of this. Uh, you know, the hours are crazy and uh, it doesn't uh, really befit uh, a, a young lad with uh, a, a newborn baby and a wife at home and all that kind of stuff. So I switched to sports turf and I worked for 
uh, a very large uh, town or city or municipality here in uh, in Ohio, in central Ohio, and ran all their sports fields, their outdoor fields. So uh, over 130 fields in total and, uh, you know, 40 people, huge operation and uh, and did that for eight years. And then uh, decided, you know, during that end of that run, I was I was kind of running something on the side there where um, I was doing consulting. I was, you know, the, taking the best parts of my previous jobs in turf, right, and you know, trying to help people that had turf already, you know, growing better turf, and then people that wanted to change or do a renovation or a big project or something like that, help the you know guide them through that process and. Fortunately enough, I uh, got to the fork in the road, you know, where it was, hey, you either need to, you know, quit your job and, and go do this full time and give it a shot or, you know, stay put where you're at in your, you know, cushy government job. And I decided to take the leap. So that was uh, nearly two years ago um, that I finally did that. And it's been great ever since. You know, we've got some great clients all the way from professional sports teams all the way down to you know, high schools and, uh, you know, park agencies, park systems, things like that, and anything in between. So, uh, you know, we, we, we deal a lot with uh, natural grass turf, some a little bit with synthetic turf as well. Um, you know, our mindset is, is that no matter what the field's made of, that uh, the kids or the athletes, adults, whoever's playing on it deserve to have a safe field. And, you know, all those things take work and time and uh, science, right. To understand how to do it the right way. So, uh, that's what we're in the business of. Uh, so it's uh, it's me and a couple other folks right now. We never intend to really be a massive company per se, but uh, you know, it's just uh, work with good people and, and you know do it our way and do it the right way, and good things will happen. And and that to me is worth you know way more than being a giant company and having gobs and gobs of money and problems, right? I think there was a song written about that, right? More money, more problems. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that's a little bit about me and, and and who I am. So, you know, I and I know I know about Great Green Northern North Lawn Care and uh you know, follow the channel, you know, try to see again from a different lens, a different perspective. I think it's really important um that you know Americans understand that things are different up there, right? That, you know, not having access to some of these chemicals, you know, sort of ties one hand behind your back in that case, right? Um in the area that you live, but at the same time, I don't want, you know, your Canadian listeners to think, wow, they've got it easy. All they got to do is spray and it just takes yeah. care of it. I mean, it's, it's unfortunately, I wish it was that easy in some cases, but it's not. And, you know, there's the whole perception thing. And so we could talk all night about that piece, but, uh, but yeah, like I said, I'm interested to hear what, uh, what kind of issues you're facing up there and, you know, dive right in and see what's going on. Yeah, even some other stuff like even just uh, growing season up here can be really, really short depending on where you're where you're located. I mean, I know some of the, like I know Connor up in Utah there, his his season's pretty short. But uh, yeah, I mean we're pretty much uh, like second third week of May till about you know Canadian Thanksgiving, which is second week of October, and that's that's pretty much it for us. So, I mean, we've had snow on the ground since November first. So, and. Uh, probably stick around for now <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it's probably gonna be a long time before you see the grass again but yeah um i you know i can empathize a little bit so uh you know we have uh some fields up here uh in the central part of the state it gets pretty warm here in the summertime you know we're in the very northern edges of the uh the transition zone um 
which allows us, you know, to maybe get into some warm season grasses. So we have, we have converted uh, some of these, you know, uh, soccer fields and whatnot over into Bermuda grass. So your season for growing cool season is about the same season I have for growing warm season here in Ohio. And it works really, really well. Like, you know, it does go dormant, you know, end of October ish. And, uh, it doesn't really green up until the middle of May, but I understand, you know, that sprint, you know, that, that sense of urgency that you have, okay, Hey, like, is it going to get going? Is it going to get going? And then finally it does. Right. And then it's like, yeah, the greatest thing in the world. It looks awesome. And then like, you know, 13 weeks later, it's all over. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. relish and the memories for the next, you know, seven <laughs> months until it comes back around again. But it's fun. It's fun. I So I, yeah. I can empathize fully with that. That's why we're sitting in my basement right now talking about grass while there's snow outside. <laughs> hey, you got to have something to pass the time. And uh, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sadly enough, like as, as we were talking here just before we, you know, pressed record, was, you know, we're no snow on the ground. It's been pretty moderate here temperature wise. So, you know, we're still grinding and 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 working on projects and get ready for next year and everything. And it's just like, uh, yeah, and maybe maybe it does need to get really cold and really snowy down here too, and and, and just put a stop to all this stuff. But, uh, yeah. So yeah, sometimes I mean, it is nice to uh, to just let go, you know, for like a month and just you know pretend uh, like it doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> I then, mean, uh, yeah, it you does. go nuts after about three four days. Nothing it else is, to do. <laughs> it is, and like that's you know my my least favorite time of the year is like. You know, the end of February and early March when there's just like, you know, you get a couple of nice days and it teases you and yeah. you, you can't really get any of that traction to like start getting stuff done or whatever. But so, you know, I'm curious on, on, on your part is, you know, what if you had to describe it or whatever, you know, what you faced in your lawn or um, in the sense of, you know, your viewers, you know, kind of take it wherever you want to go. But what is sort of the 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 main issue up there that you see? in lawns, both in your business and your, in your personal setting, like what, what are the common issues with, again, having some of the restrictions in place and all that kind of stuff? Cause I want to understand from a primary source like yourself, you know, what you're dealing with. I have my own perceptions of what I see, but I want to hear it. So uh, what I would mainly say, I mean, we have like, you know, standard great lakes weather where we get, you know, we have humid, humid summers and then, uh, we also, you know, we, we can get up into that like 40 degree Celsius range in, in the okay. middle of July, which can be really stressful on the turf. Like normally around July 4th weekend, that's about, you know, the worst it gets for us. And mm-hmm. then it starts to cool off around beginning of August. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, maybe your two months in the spring where everything's looking fine and dandy other than the giant seed heads that can come poking up and end of May sometimes. And then, uh, you know, you maybe have those two months late August or a month, really September. And then that's, that's pretty much it for the year. But then the other major thing here is, uh, you know, um, the, there's, I know when I worked on the golf course, we had a lot of snow mold because of, uh, not being able to treat for snow mold up here and, mm-hmm. uh, just some of the blowing snow we can get sometimes. And we, we, the area I'm in, we get a lot of ice and kind of uh, ice and snow and back and forth and and a lot of that kind of mixing and and that never makes a good mix for anything down here no no i think you, you may know, get slushy it, roads instead of snowy roads yeah, yeah, yeah and then you know that's what under that snowpack that stuff freezes and you know that's a that's a real thing i mean for uh from a snowmobile perspective you know i don't get too worked up about that but the the ice right that can be very problematic you know grass 
needs even when it's dormant right even when you know it's the winter time it still needs to breathe right it still needs oxygen so you know in that uh, absence of oxygen underneath that ice you know you'll get what's called anoxia right which is a lack of oxygen so uh and certain grasses are a a little bit better at tolerating that right uh poanya though which if you have that in your lawn you know people consider it a weed and part of the reason is under stress it's a very poor performing plant, even in the winter time, right? You always think about that stuff kind of puking out and going dormant in the middle of summer. Like when you said, like when it's, you know, 37 to 40 C and just, you know, yeah. crazy hot. It's also in the winter time too, when that gets stuff gets under ice. So, you know, having good desirable grass in there, that's, that's a huge component of uh, surviving winter and coming out of it in the best possible sense. Um, and, and not, you know, if you do have some, uh, you know, some snow mold to grow out of or whatever, that's, that's hugely important. But yeah, that's interesting that you guys are on that. Like, you know, you always see the weather maps that have like, you know, snow to the North and rain to the South. You're just like us. It sounds like yeah. we're, we're always, we're always in the ice zone. They're always in the yeah, mix yeah. where the weatherman is just like throwing his hands up. Like, eh, you know, it could be a little bit of everything. And yeah, yeah. That's no fun. That's no fun. No, no. Honestly, too, I would probably say the biggest thing up here is like kind of it's almost like a morality issue. Like, I mean, the when the chemical bans came in in the early 2000s, everybody just kind of like gave up. And then you have, you know, you're surrounded by like dandelion farms or just like Mm -hmm. absolute weed pits, like all your neighbors around you. And I mean, my lawn's 22,000 square feet. So it's a decent chunk of chunk, chunk of grass in the back. Yeah. But I mean, when when those seeds are are blown in from like all the neighbors, you know, they do the wait till it gets like, you know, foot and a half tall and then just hack it down to, you know, three quarter inch and then, oh, it'll grow back later eventually. But it's almost just like, you know, everybody up here is kind of given up. And that's mainly what I'm trying to help, you know, teach people up here is that like, you know, you don't have to have chemicals. You don't have to water the the crap out of your lawn in the summertime. And you can still have a pretty decent stand of of turf grass uh, throughout the year just by doing some basic, basic maintenance, you know, proper cutting height and, uh, you know, fertilizing, you know, a couple times a year. That's that's all you need to do just to have like a decent stand of turf grass. Huh. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the thing is that people, people all over the world and mainly in North America, and I'll, I'll single out Canada too, myself included, right? It's it's only as difficult as you want to make it. Right. So, uh, and I think a lot of people make it too complicated, too complex and, or uh, do a poor job of setting expectations. You know, I have another, I do a podcast with Ryan Knorr uh, and, and we talk often about this, you know, both on and offline about not necessarily like making plans of, Hey, what we're going to do, but before we even get to that point, Hey, what, what are the expectations? Right. And I think, you know, in, in Canada and, you know, in Ontario, especially it's a situation where you're going to have that. You're going to have people that, uh, the bottom end of the barrel, right. You know, the, the lowest of the low is going to look way worse than what you think it should probably, at least from a perception standpoint. And you have to be okay with that. Now that doesn't mean that you can't have nice stuff. It just means that you're gonna have to work extra hard. Like you said, if you have your, your half acre, your 22,000 square feet, and you're surrounded by, you know, people that don't care. Yeah. The degree of difficulty is going to get turned up and you may have to manage your expectations accordingly. So, uh, but sitting there and beating yourself up over it. And I'll say that from a professional perspective, 
I, and, and I'm guilty of it too. I mean, early on in my career, I was, I was terrible about setting expectations for myself, setting expectations for those that worked with me and, um, you know, setting expectations for the turf that we worked on. Right. And when something didn't go the way that we had planned, you know, I'd get upset, I'd get, you know, pissed, whatever. And, you know, it just wasn't worth the energy. So, uh, that's something I've worked a lot on. And I, and I, I, I try to tell people that all the time, you know, whether it's our clients who are, are generally lay people, they're not turf people, um, working with them, uh, on how to do that. And it's tough, you know, uh, of saying, well, Hey, how do you want your turf to look? Well, I want it to look nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell me something else. Well, I want it to look green. All right. That's a little better. We're getting somewhere, you know, but to say that, Hey, listen, I just want it to survive the summer and, you know, have a reasonable stand of grass that we can thicken up, you know, going into fall, use that good weather on the back half of the year so that coming to the next year, I've got thick turf grass that's going to resist, you know, uh, crab grass from starting to germinate, you know, here into, uh, you know, say mid-May, it starts germinating in, in June. I want to be able to choke that out. And the only way I'm going to do that is survive summer, get to fall, and then uh, have a good chance of growing some grass back so that next spring is not starting off on the wrong foot. Now we can work with something, right? Those are good and precise expectations, but, you know, nice and green, like, you know, you're setting yourself up for if it's not green or if it's not nice, it's an automatic failure, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, anyway, I drug that answer out. I apologize, but I, I no, think no, that's no. a really important part of the, the non-scientific part, you know, the part between your ears about taking care of grass. That's, that's really, really important. Well, I think you talked about too, about like, you know, pick the four month slot of the year where you want <laughs> yeah. your lawn to be green and yeah. and i'll tell you what grass you can plant to give you that you know four months of of green grass and i mean it it's true like uh you know when when, when it's you know 37 with like a 40 percent humidex your grass is not going to be you know pristine and it's just not it's not going to happen it's not no and and i think that's where again you know up there you know, in, in Canada and, and Ontario proper, especially, you know, where there's, you know, some really, really, really restrictive bands. Uh, you know, it's funny. We were, we were reading on, uh, again, I'm on several podcasts and it's not to like promote. It's just to say, like we were talking about uh, Manitoba where they just uh, kind of relaxed some of the bands specifically for, you know, uh, athletic fields, parks, uh, no schools, uh, but also some lawn care stuff too because they were having such a tough time with how things looked and uh how, you know oh, it, it's embarrassing our our <laughs> local parks here they look like atrocious even our local like soccer fields they just they're like dirt and weed pits that's pretty much all they are just dandelions well and i think that's something too that uh you know i don't know how much effort's been put up there and i'm sure that there are you know good examples and good you know short of uh, uh case studies if you will in Canada. And I'd, I'd have to personally do more research to find out who those folks are, where they are and what they're doing. But, you know, a good corollary here down in the States is uh, Connecticut. So the state of Connecticut, uh, 10 years ago now, 2012, they banned the use of all registered pesticides on the grounds of schools that are anything between kindergarten and eighth grade, right? So, you know, uh, if you have a high school, no problem. If you're, you know, down here, you know, typically kids will go, you know, K through, you know, five or six and then, you know, six, seven, eight, something like that. And, and a bu different building or all in the same building, something like that. 
So they, you know, they they left the high schools off because obviously they have, you know, sports fields and they they've got multiple teams playing on those. They kind of gave them a little bit of a uh, a break there, but with these other schools, um no pesticides allowed whatsoever. So fortunately there, uh the University of Connecticut, which has a pretty strong turf program, um headed up by a couple of guys. One guy is uh Dr. Jason Henderson, the other guy is uh Dr. John Inguagiato. Uh, so Jason is a uh, a physiologist, right, by trade, and John is a uh, turf pathologist. So he looks at plant diseases and things like that. And they they investigated, okay, well, hey, if this is a ban, we're going to have a lot of people affected by this. How can we manage, right? What are some things that we can do culturally and everything like that? So they've spent the last 10 years really diving in and investigating this. And there's some you know pretty interesting stuff that's come out of their work in terms of what can and can't be done. And specifically to like what you're saying about parks. It's sad that that's like that because let's be honest, l- let me ask you this way. Did your, did your, did your taxes go down when they instituted the bans? No. You know, or when... <laughs> so where did that money go? You know, they were taking yeah. care of it. They were doing all this stuff. And now, uh, uh, well, you know, that's the thing is that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not here to debate tax policy, but I will say that, you know, you give me a certain product for a certain price, right? And that's essentially what, you know, a tax payment is. You change that, right? You lower my expectations, whether it's right or wrong, and now I'm still paying the same price, and that ain't cool. So uh, I, I think that was sort of the, the mindset that uh, the folks in Connecticut have have still ha- and have had, you know, for the last 10 years is how do we still deliver? You know, how do we make these fields safe first? And how do we make these areas, you know, that that are outside of, you know, playing fields, for example, how do we still make them beautiful? And there's some really, really good examples. And a lot of it just comes down to like what we talked about at the top of the show, good cultural practices, a ton, a ton of overseeding, right, to introduce and keep desirable species. So basically, you know, the name of the game is, you know, grow it faster than they can destroy it. That's it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what we did at the golf course. It, we just hit it nonstop pretty much all year and yep, and that yep. was all we could do yeah and and i and i think there it's uh you know there is a point too and that's that's one of the things they really looked at it was uh you know renovations and what the, those look like so you know they they've employed a lot of techniques where uh you know obviously their pressure for you know crabgrass and summer annuals is you know uh higher than probably what you know you guys have there in the, the greater toronto area but uh, they've taken a look and that's really one of the limiting factors is there's nothing good from an organic or natural perspective to use in terms of control, post-emergent control on uh, summer annuals and crabgrass in particular. You know, you can use corn gluten meal as, uh, you know, as a pre-emergent and things like that. But if you get breakthrough, there ain't a whole lot you can do. So yeah. what they've what they've started doing is more uh, in line with uh, removing all that grass. So uh, there are machines that will take out just the the vegetation on top not like till everything up but just kind of skim off the vegetation so you start with a clean slate you rip all those you know shallow you know tap rooted uh weeds out if you've got poa you know poa anya it's a real shallow rooted plant but your desirable stuff you know so if you have you know tall fescue kentucky bluegrass something like that it will regenerate a little bit and then also you go ahead back in there and, and seed it and they found that to be you know, pretty good tactics. So about every three years is what they found that they're doing this. Uh, and some places if they have the budget are just saying, screw it, we're going to sod. And yeah, especially on sports fields, that's not a, it's a pretty, 
expensive proposition you know here in, in american dollars i mean that's a uh, in that neck of the woods somewhere in the neighborhood of you know 100 150,000 us dollars uh every pop so yeah that's uh that's big time money but you know in a lawn situation i think there's a lot of the things that can be um you know sort of scaled down to a lawn setting and use that these folks have uh have found and i i think it'd be interesting to watch somebody employ some of these tactics and again this is another thing that they found in connecticut is that you know the research gave them a starting point but everybody has sort of found their own way right based yeah. on uh you know the climate in their property the um you know the existing grasses and soils and things like that that they have so a lot of cool stuff and uh, i think it's a good it's a good talking point you know at least for the folks that listen to you and and are uh, in that situation uh there in canada yeah yeah um another kind of a little off-topic question here though how many uh i know you've probably laid a ton of sod in your entire lifetime <laughs> is there a uh how, how many rolls of sod have you fit on a wheelbarrow at one time because i think my my max is uh 15 i think is what i've done so you far 15 15 rolls of sod on a wheelbarrow is pretty pretty uh you gotta go gnarly. you gotta go up the uh, up the handles too and over the top and uh uh, then you got to get you, gotta, you around the. You got to unroll them and lay them across your arm, you know, like uh, you know, yeah. belts of machine gun ammunition or something like that, and carry <laughs> yeah. it up there. That's that. That's always good. Um, I don't know that I've ever gotten fifteen. I don't think I can do that. Uh, we're usually going by the truckload, so you know, yeah. our, our our side comes in big rolls that are you know, uh, about uh, a little over a meter wide. And usually about oh thirty or so thirty five meters long, right? Um, and and we roll those out, and you can get a field done or a big area pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, the fifteen rolls though, I, I, that's yeah. that's impressive. I think that should be, uh, you know, they used to have like the I don't know if they they had it on television there, but they used to have the Steel Timber Sport series, you know, like ESPN and stuff, where they were like, okay, you know, yeah, 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 how fast you could chop down a tree. We need to do like the lawn care olympics or something lawn like care that olympics, yeah. i'm telling you there's a market for it sod can you carry yet yeah so you know uh if somebody from steel or some other landscape companies out there listening toro looking at you oh we yeah need to do this let's do this on youtube yeah. and uh we get way uh, my money's on wade in the uh the sod wheelbarrow yeah, challenge and the sod sure. wheelbarrow challenge i don't know maybe you get connor in there he he might go he might go connor, nuts you never know with I, him <laughs> I would I would put Connor more uh you know in the uh, the, the non endurance portions I'd put him in the speed type trials oh, yeah, right probably, you know yeah. so like that that's the sprinting that's and the the sprinting and like you know who can walk real mo at like nine miles an hour with a <laughs> you know a, a a a brisk jog or something like that I, I think, yeah uh, a little bit of skip like every that. once in a while <laughs> yeah he would be yeah, he'd probably tap his toes together when he crosses the finish line. Con, yeah. you know the 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 thing about Connor that's interesting is that uh you know folks sometimes ask me and, and I know they've asked uh others right like so wait like is he the same person off camera and I'm like he is exactly the same like there is <laughs> nothing different about that dude when he is uh you know talking to you and and you know I don't talk to him often but uh, you know randomly uh he'll call or you know, shoot me a text and it's a super detailed, very precise question. And he needs the answer now. Like if you, and it's like, uh, you know, like a nagging wife or girlfriend, like if you don't respond to him yeah. in like three minutes, he's like, are you, are you ignoring me? 
is there something wrong <laughs> what's wrong how come you're not talking to me and it's like connor dude chill just give me a minute so anyway but that's 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 connor in a nutshell but no, I, was gonna say, uh, I don't think I would have to ask if he was like that off camera. I think I, I kind of gathered <laughs> that from what I saw that that was, what it's not was an, like. Yeah, people ask, people ask that question. And I'm like, it is not an act. It is, uh, yeah, it is a hundred percent genuine. So, but no, that, that that's cool. So, um, yeah, I'm anxious so to hear. Couple, it's a uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Throw it out there. So like um, in the spring uh, this year, uh, for example, we had like a very, and this was another, I think I had asked this when uh, you and Ryan were doing the the live turf cast was about like fertilizer in spring versus fall or nitrogen in spring versus fall. Sure. Um, some of our springs can be very cold and they can drag on for, for a while. Like, I mean, this year we didn't really have our first like 80 degree day or Fahrenheit till like, uh, I don't know, like middle of June. So we yeah. had a very cold and dragging. And sometimes, you know, the lawn just kind of won't really get, you know, it's, it's, it wants to do that spring flush, but every time you keep getting these cold snaps, it keeps snapping back. Right. And it keeps kind of dying back down and you cannot really get in a response out of it that you want. So mm -hmm. what, what would you suggest like versus nitrogen? I know a lot of people don't want to push a lot of nitrogen in the spring because of the, the top growth. Right. And it kind of, uh, but on nitrogen in the fall produces better root growth. I, I don't know what, what would your suggestion be for that? Yeah. So this year, I, mean, I think I, I put about like four, four pounds down in the fall before, before the snow flew. So, okay. Four pounds between, of fertilizer, between, or four pounds of N, four pounds of N between the end of August and, uh, the end of November. Wow. Hammering it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, spring N and, uh, cooler temperatures like that. So, I think I was telling you that before, you know, we pressed record, but I grew up uh, in the northern part of Ohio, which is, you know, from from you is, you know, a hop, skip and a jump. It's probably about uh, four and a half hour drive, something like that. So, you know, pretty familiar with that, that, uh, you know, Great Lakes type climate, which is, you know, vastly different than what I've, I've become accustomed to here. Um, and so it's the same thing, right, that you have those springs, as you described, where it just never really gets going until you know, late May and even into June sometimes. So I think the important thing there is uh, just what you said, how you how you sort of put it to bed in the fall, right? So uh, you're going to get a ton of carryover, you know, here in um, this area in, you know, in the Midwest, you know, I'd expect if you had that much end down that you wouldn't need to really apply anything, you know, from a visual quality standpoint, a color standpoint, uh, until, you know, sometime into late May even, right? So anything that you do prior to that, I don't know that you're going to see a tremendous benefit from, you know, the grass, uh, at that point has, you know, plenty of carbohydrates in the roots, you know, and it's using that up as you get going. I think the thing that you need to be, you know, wary of in that case is, um, any added nitrogen at that time, you know, in particular is going to force the grass to grow quicker right? And when it grows quicker, it's going to deplete those carbohydrate reserves in the roots faster. And when we lose that root mass and that root depth, that's when we can set ourselves up for problems in the summertime, right? Because we're, you know, we're in the business and cool season territory of, you know, growing roots starting in the fall, really going through spring and trying to preserve those depending on if it's a cold, you know, or a hot spring uh, or something that's more normal. And then uh, once we get to summer, we're living 
off of, you know, what we've put in the bank essentially with our roots, right? Because you will have, you know, dieback of roots. You're going to have uh, root decline in the summertime uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, the grass is using more energy than it can produce because temperatures are hotter than it can physiologically produce its own food, right? And then also same thing, it's under stress, right? So on those days where, you know, it's in the mid to upper 30s, you know, in, in uh, Celsius, your soil temperatures are easily in the low 30s probably right yeah, and that's not around. that's yeah that's not a that's not a uh, environment that's conducive uh for root growth right so you're going to see more dieback in those situations too so to answer the question i mean i think how you how you proceed through the fall and if so let's say that let's let's take two different scenarios here you know someone such as yourself that did you know a good job getting plenty of nitrogen out there through the fall and I would say that you can stand pat and probably not do anything until, you know, the latter part of May, even into June, right? When things start warming up and your grass really starts kicking into high gear, you know, uh, two, three weeks after that, that flush of growth that you'll see, right? You know, we always get that spring flush where it just, you know, it's kind of like sitting there and you don't know if it's going to really take off. And then, yeah, you know, one, one week later, it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm mowing this stuff like every other day and I can't keep up. Yeah. That passes, give it about two, three weeks, something like that, you know, as long as weather's normal. And then you're going to be in that, that slot to go ahead and make your, uh, your first fertilizer application. Now, let's say that, you know, you didn't put anything down this past fall. So let's say that, you know, you ceased all applications in August, for, for example. So you kind of really didn't do much in September, October. Then there's a case to go out there with some early spring in. And the other nice thing too, you know, based on your climate for the most part is that, you know, we see, uh, you know, sort of a, a rapid ascent in how much, you know, uh, top growth we're getting. And then it sort of levels off and yeah, you're going to have some dips here and there based on, uh, you know, summer heat and things like that. But if it's a, a pretty moderate year, that, that growth curve, if you will, will kind of plateau and stay the same most of the summer. Uh, and I think in those cases, that's where, if you haven't done the, those fall applications, just go ahead and, you know, put some out, you know, coming into, say, May and then again in June and then just kind of see what the weather does. As you said, you know, July 4th time, um, that that could be, a you know, a period of extreme heat. So maybe back off, play a little bit of defense and then again, just get ready to resume your application sometime in August and then carry those through into the next fall and set yourself up so that you're not having to kind of play catch up in the spring again. I think that's those are the two scenarios that you know I hear about often is either I did or I didn't in fall and then what do I do now? So that would be sort of the 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 two sides of the coin there. Yeah, and then just to follow up on that micros if people are asking about, you know, liquid if they're going to put down some some micros, would you do that like still in the spring even though if you put that much N in in the fall? Yeah, I I wouldn't have a problem with that. I mean, you know, from a um you know, a color response, all that kind of stuff without growth, obviously that's, you know, probably the, the number one benefit right there. Uh, you know, number two, as you, uh, have increased the amount of nitrogen that's in the plant, right. Especially through fall, the consumption of those micronutrients goes up as well. It's, you know, it's directly proportional, right? So the more NN, all those other nutrients get used that much faster, right? So it's probably not a bad idea to go ahead and supplement, uh, with that, uh, with those micros, you know, going into springtime, no issues there whatsoever. All right, sweet. And then, uh, I guess moving on to the, to the big thing that, that everybody asks, unless you have anything else you want to 
you mm-hmm. want to say on that one before we move on? No, you're good. No. So obviously, uh, as soon as summer comes, everybody, you know, why is my lawn dying? Why is my lawn turning brown? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. All those emails come flying in. It's like one week in the year and the, you know, 100 emails just sitting in my inbox, all same pictures, same story. You know, I'm watering, you know, 10 minutes every day and it's not working. I don't know why. And and all that stuff. And I mean, specifically where I am, there's a lot of clay around me uh, mm-hmm. up in like Milton and, and all around that area. But uh, where mm-hmm. I am, my soil is pure sand. Like uh, okay. it, we we drilled post holes for my deck and we didn't hit a single rock. It's like pure. It's not beach sand. It's like silica sand. So I got about two okay. feet of topsoil and then just pure, pure sand after that. So mm. I'm not holding a lot of moisture in mm-hmm. my in my area but mm-hmm. uh what would your like tips be for for going into summer like things maybe to to look at in the spring before you hit that summer i um i know i was talking i got a little bit into wedding agents at the end of the year yeah. this year just yeah. trying them out i was able to find one mm-hmm. uh that was available up here uh mm-hmm. i know some people talk about humic i don't really know if that i in my, in my experience i haven't really found a super big difference between humic and no humic okay. uh, i don't know if you have anything else yeah so i i think the wedding agents are really going to be you know the equalizer there in that in, in that sense right um you got a couple of things to think about number one is uh yeah if you're if you're not holding water right so the the thing i always look about uh in summertime is you know let's talk about irrigated lawns and let's talk about non-irrigated lawns because the way that you're going to treat react and set expectations for both of those scenarios are vastly different right so on an irrigated lawn, yeah you're either going you're either going one way or the other you're not switching in between the the two of them right and you're not you're not running the same you know i would i always recommend not running the same program um on those you know if you're a lawn care company i i think you can if you but you're you know sort of watering it down uh pun fully intended for both of those parties right where you know, I think obviously when you're when you're irrigating, you're going to continue to be growing. You're going to continue to consume nutrients at a faster rate, you know, out of the soil than you would if you were unirrigated, right? Because the plant dries down. We know that, you know, for instance, on nitrogen, uh, for example, that better than ninety percent of the nitrogen that goes through the plant is actually taken up by a process called mass flow. Mass flow is where the root needs water, right? And it's a potential it's a potential equation, right? So we've got lower potential in the root, higher potential in the soil because the soil is wet. Water goes into the plant, you know, from the soil. And with that water, in that water are nitrates, right? Or ammonium, yeah. right? That enter the plant and become converted and used for energy and physiological processes. So uh when things dry out, right, and we don't have water in the soil, we go through a you know extended period without rainfall or something like that. You know, that nitrogen, depending on the form that it's in and how it's, uh, you know, how it's been applied, you know, uh, slow release versus quick release, all those types of things, you know, organic matter percentages, all that, uh, those processes all slow down uh, considerably in those, in those situations. Whereas if you've got irrigated, everything's fine. Everything's working as it should, you know, so it's a little bit more predictable in that sense of, you know, how long. Uh, a particular application may or may not last, right? You know, we see a lot of times, you know, with slow release products, you know, in the summertime on unirrigated, you know, you'll you'll go through that dry stretch and it'll look maybe uh, anywhere from awful to okay. And yeah. then 
you know, you get a rainfall and it's like, oh my gosh, like look, look how amazing this looks, you know, and, yeah. and you're, you're, you know, you've waited. Yeah. It's been like nine days, but you you're applying all to all those hundred emails and be like, look, 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 you know, see. Yeah. <laughs> so in those cases about the wedding agents, I think there's a use case for those, uh, you know, particularly in, uh, in, uh, unirrigated turf, right. For that very reason that you're going to extend the period of, uh, how long there's, you know, viable moisture in that soil, right. Uh, that the plant's going to use and continue to hold color. So that's number one. Number two, uh, I, I think genetics and species selection takes a big role here too. So, uh, you know, using earth type pole fescues in unirrigated spaces, highly recommend that fine fescues too. If there's not a ton of traffic, you know, we know that these grasses are much more uh, resistant and tolerant of drought. So that's something too that I, you know, I'd be really thinking about is okay if this if I'm unirrigated and this looks like crap every year, maybe I need to look at what type of grass I have in here. And, you know, the newer grasses specifically are being bred to, you know, to operate and, uh, you know, grow well, even under uh, low input and specifically water, low water input conditions. So something else to consider there. The last part, you know, with the wetting agent uh, thing on the on the irrigated side, and we do see this is like no irrigation systems foolproof, Right. You know, you look oh, yeah. out and there's like, oh, there's there. Oh, look at that. That it's a little wet over there. It's still dry over here. The one thing I'll say an irrigated turf, and and you would think, well, why would Ryan? Why would I need to use a a wetting agent on irrigated turf? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, you still have you know um you know dry down right. So you know if you turn that irrigation system on at you know five six in the morning, you let it run until you know eight nine in the morning, shut it off. Right? How uniform is all that moisture in there? And when it goes to start drying down, let's say you skip a day, right? You say, okay, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna let that water soak in, do its thing. We'll come back a day or two from then and go back at it, right? You know what that wetting agent allows you to do is, uh, you know, even out that dry down so that the areas that maybe don't have the best coverage hold on a little bit longer. And depending on the type of wetting agent you get, just to broadly classify, you know, wetting agents, um, you know, there are wetting agents that generally and uh, you know they're they're all they're all marketed a little bit differently, and they maybe overmarket a little bit these properties, but they do work in, in these fashions, right? So you have ones that will retain water and hold them uh, in the soil a little bit better, and they also have ones that are um, penetrants that will allow water to go down through the soil, deeper into the soil, right? Or moving water through a system. So uh, in your case, right, with with sand. Uh, I would be, you know, looking for something that if, if possible, and I'll have to look and see what's labeled there, uh, in Canada, those aren't chemicals per se, you know, they're not pesticides. No. So I don't know what the, if they fall into that gray area, but it's also finding somebody who will carry them, but one that mixes both <clears> together. <throat> right. So you can actually buy some of these that are prepackaged that have both in there. And I think you'll see the benefits. So, uh, you want to get water deep into your soil because as it dries down, right, you want it, that water to be even, as deeply as possible in your particular soil. Now, when you're in a clay soil, I'd be all in on the penetrate penetrant style ones, right? Because it's hard to get water to infiltrate those soils. So, um, yeah, I think there's, again, there's a use case there on the wetting agent side. Uh, and the last thing I'll say on it is, you know, wetting agents, even at the professional level are a very finicky thing, meaning that, you know, I could use, you know, back in my golf course days, I could use a particular product at a particular rate from a wetting agent standpoint and say man this works awesome you can take that same product same rate 
take it down the street, you know, a mile or two to another golf course. And they'd use the same thing. And they'd be like, this sucks. This doesn't work. It's terrible. And nobody makes sense of it. I think so. It's, it's uh, very dynamic when it comes to your soil type, your watering strategies, how you do all that stuff, how you maintain your grass, how, you know, how much thatch you have. Like there's, there's a lot of different things that go into it. So if you're not happy with one, uh, I hate to sound like a shill, and I don't get anything for this, but try a different one. You know, don't uh, fall in love or fall into hate too quickly with uh, with the wedding agent. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. I mean, as I said, I have I don't have much experience with them, so <clears throat> just kind of getting into them. Uh, good to know a little bit about how they work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's one of the the biggest ones I get is about that summer stress, and I think kind of going back to what we talked about earlier too with that, you know four months out of the year and Mm -hmm. managing expectations i mean obviously you know you're not gonna have that you know that spring lawn that you had in the spring when it was pouring rain every other day in the summer like it's just not gonna happen and you know making making your expectations prepared for that and not getting down on yourself because that's the way it looks because you know you haven't had rain in three weeks and you're just getting beaten with you know (laughs) windy dry days i mean that's just it is what it is right there's nothing you can really do about it no and i think that's the thing is uh, you know from the 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 greatest equalizer in all you know it, it, whatever you know country or continent or whatever that you're in to manage turf grass grass is you know weather is the equalizer and you know how you respond to what the weather is doing has done or will do uh, really is what's going to make or break you, you know, as a turf manager. And I, I say that, you know, even in the DIY sense, all the way up to, you know, lawn care operator, golf course, superintendent, whatever you are, right. Uh, knowing what to do or what not to do, uh, given the weather, you know, that again has happened is happening or will happen is really the most important facet of this job. No question about it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, as we all know, the weatherman, is rarely right so that's always another uh yeah that's that's it is a fun surprise and yeah like you you you, you, you got to learn to roll with it and have multiple oh, yeah. sources trust but verify trust but verify yeah yeah um well, what do we got here um so i mean one of the other things that i get 100 emails a year about too is just people with uh random brown or yellow spots in their lawn what is it where should i start freaking out uh, i hmm. thought maybe that uh maybe you should just go over like your your basic process if you found you know a brown or yellow spot in one of your fields what would be kind of where you would start on what what's causing it what's going on yeah i mean so uh, a couple of things from a diagnostic or troubleshooting standpoint is you know, one, we're going to look at the margins of the area, right? So between where it's yellow and where it's green, right? Like what's going on right there? So, you know, if it's a uh, a fungus situation, potentially, you know, we've, we've got, uh, you know, some type of disease out there. The margins will really tell a lot of the story because that's where the plants are actively getting infected, right? Those spots are starting in the center and they're working out or they're coalescing together into larger spots. So, uh, that's usually a first telltale sign if we're seeing some type of activity, lesions, things like that, right, on those uh, leaf margins, right? Um, you know, the other thing, too, to check out is you know, if it's something else, right, you know, could we have some type of insect damage? You know, so the next thing would be to look at 
you know, what is the uh, condition of the roots and the shoots, right? So starting with the shoots, you know, a little tug test, see if there's anything there. Uh, lots of good guides, uh, some on YouTube, and I would trust the universities most. I think there's some really good ones, especially if you're in cool season territory. Purdue has a particularly good uh, website for entomology, right, the study of insects and how those affect turf grass. So they can talk a lot about it, you know, on the fact sheets about ways to identify and things like that. But uh, those, that's another, you know, uh, kind of quick diagnostic thing that we're looking at too. And then roots, you know, uh, a, a shovel, a soil probe, something like that. And just looking at, Hey, what is the vigor of the roots here is, you know, are they still white? And this, you know, was a, a quick onset type situation, or is this something where, you know, the roots are brown and we've had, you know, a, a dieback potentially from the bottom up, or are we, you know, facing a top down type of situation? Because there are, uh, you know, um, pests, right, that that are in the soil. So uh, we could have, you know, potentially insects. We could have, uh, you know, plant diseases that also exist there too. So that's something else that we're doing. Last thing is, you know, we're looking for signs of what I would call foul play, right? So, uh, hey, does this smell like gasoline? Does this smell like, you know, somebody uh, vomited up their lunch here and, you know, left it yesterday. And, you know, this is stomach acid with a pH of two. I'm just, I'm saying these things because they've happened, right? Yeah. Did, some, did somebody put bug spray on out here, you know, and there's a perfect, uh, you know, foot shape right here where they, they had their foot covering the turf uh, and it's dead all around it. So things like that, where you got to do a little bit of, you know, crime scene investigation, you have to play CSI turf detective and sort of figure out what's going on. Uh, the last thing I'll say is this, is that, uh, you know, we all want to know what is going on. So I think the the most important thing is being able to identify or using your resources to be able to identify and not just guessing what the problem is, right? Because that can lead you down the road of maybe doing something that makes it worse or exacerbates the situation. Uh, and, and in a lot of cases, when, you know, we look at something, you know, we'll, even as pros, you know, we'll, we'll take the extra step. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to or has to do this, but, you know, using, uh, you know, here in the United States, we've got local extension uh, educators, right? Folks that work for university and things like that. You know, up in your area, Guelph is a great resource, right? One oh, of the top, yeah. top turf colleges uh, in North America, you know, not just Canada, but in North America for sure. And I think they're, uh, you know, what's funny is if you talk to, you know, some of the the, the bigger labs, right, in the country at universities. So, uh, for example, North Carolina State, Purdue uh, are probably two of the biggest. And over, over two-thirds of the samples that they get every year, and they get thousands. So it's pretty good, you know, pretty good uh, data set that we're talking about right here. Over two-thirds of those are, are abiotic, meaning there's no insects, there's no disease, there's no weeds. It's just something weird happened environmentally that can't be explained, right? And there's no pests that are present that are causing that, right? So, uh, you know, I always take that with a grain of salt, too, is what we're looking at is a lot of times there can't be an explanation for it, but you try everything you can to get to that point and try to make the right call um, and, and use your network. You know, use people that you trust, you know, fellow uh, lawn care operators, whomever. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good... Uh, good group of people generally speaking if somebody is going to be uh not helpful uh i i've not encountered too many of those people in the turf industry at least here in the united states uh even lawn care operators that compete with each other for customers you know want to help the other person do better they know that there's enough business to go around and um you know keep everybody fed and keep everybody happy and stuff like that so you know networking in front of those resources i think is an important part of uh, of all that too
Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I know. Normally, if I get an an email with a picture from somebody, I mean, the first thing I normally tell them is, "Can you tell me what's above, and can you tell me what's below?" If you start pulling that grass back, right, and the, there you go. Normally, you can get to a pretty, you know, decent kind of guess about what's going on, either if it's, you know, a walnut tree or something falling <laughs> all over, or needles or everything like that, or what what the heck's going on. Or mm-hmm. you know, I remember when I worked at the golf course, coming around the 18th green one day and the uh, superintendent's just standing there and there's uh someone applied bug spray right on the 18th green and it's just this like wavy mess going all over the and uh yeah i think he uh probably had a little stressed out drive back to the <laughs> turf shed after that one but uh yeah that was the that's... worst thing i happened in the yeah in the couple years i was there but uh no i know, can imagine it makes it interesting I can imagine <laughs> Yeah, it's always a challenge. Um, you know, when you get in the situations that you know you you you've done everything that you can, but you still can't control what you know Mother Nature does. But uh, the other unknown is what other people might do, right? Yeah, yeah, scary. You never know. Um, a couple of things. You know, people always you know water can be expensive, and they and they want to let their lawn go dormant throughout the summer. Um you know is that a lot of people ask you know about is that a good idea is my lawn going to die is it not going to come back i mean i think me and you both know that that you know you can't have your lawn go dormant through the summer and we'll definitely come back mm-hmm. in the fall but do you have any maybe tips for people out there about you know if you are letting your dawn go dormant you know things to look out for to maybe yeah. you know help kind of stamp down some of the damage after you know when the rain starts coming back in the fall season Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, from a big picture, long-term perspective is, you know, if, if you have the opportunity to renovate again, choosing, you know, the right species for, you know, the area or the application that you're, you're in. Right. So that's number one, but going down to a more, you know, tangible level of, you know, whatever you got out there, you know, minimizing traffic is definitely going to be uh, a help. So, you know, if, uh, you know, the postman walks the same route every day, you know, if you can, deter he or she somehow from from doing that or you know if the if the dog goes out to you know do his or her business in the same spot every day trying to you know get them to move around things like that kids like to play you know a lot of things or a lot of times uh what i see in situations like that is you know it's fixed things that you know there's a trampoline or there's a pool or there's uh, a fire pit you know things like that that you can't move and those areas just get the snot beat out of them so uh, if you have those areas, right, you know, just try to be mindful of it if you can, but also be ready to fix it, you know, come, uh, come fall, you know, when August rolls around, it's time to kind of go ahead and hopefully some rains are coming. But, you know, the last thing I'll say on that part is, uh, you know, it's really the length of time, right? So tall fescue can go, uh, a good solid, probably, uh, three, almost four weeks with no water whatsoever and bounce back just fine. So if you do get into those extended drought periods, which, you know, it's not, uh, it's uncommon, but it's not impractical, right, for, you know, Southern Ontario for something like that to happen, is don't be afraid to water it a little bit, you know, just to kind of keep it alive. You don't need to go out there and, uh, you know, uh, mortgage, you know, have a second mortgage to afford your water bill. Uh, But, you know, you got, you you should probably try and keep it alive, or at least, at least 
those areas that are stressed, right? So those areas where the dog's playing, where the fire pit is, you know, near the trampoline, whatever, just go out there and hand water those areas, right? Or set a sprinkler up and just try to keep the traffic uh, ridden and wear areas uh, watered in. And, and and I think you'll find pretty good success. Yeah, I know. I know, you know, some of my neighbors think I'm nuts in the middle of summer where everything's pretty green and I'm standing there with my arms crossed all angry <laughs> looking at it. But, and I know some of my neighbors think I'm nuts too when I'm watering my grass or my backyard back before I had in ground when it was all straw brown, but I mean, it, oh. it worked, you know, that, that little bit of water throughout the summer can really help, help hold you over when, you know, that rain starts to come back. No question I mean, about it. Even, no question. Even if you about just it. think about like you being, you know, if you're like dehydrated out in the desert, what's better, no water or, you know, a little cup full of, you know, a couple, couple drops of water in it. Obviously the little couple drops of water is going to be better than nothing. Yeah, and it might I, not I, save you, but it'll be better than nothing. <laughs> Man, that got morbid really quickly, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, that that whole mindset that uh, you know you're just trying to keep, you know, the crown of the plant, you know, that that growing point that is sort of in between the roots and leaf blades or the the shoots, right? Um, that's what we've got to keep hydrated. That's that's sort of the the uh the headquarters of the grass and if we don't then that's when we're going to have uh failure later on so definitely you know uh good thoughts on 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 just doing you know some uh uh just a little bit of water you know uh, as needed as you get into those drier periods longer uh, duration of dry, drier periods yeah yeah no i remember too i had a I had my drone up and I showed my neighbor a picture of the subdivision beside me and it was just all you know straw brown lawns and she goes, look at all those lawns. They're all dead. And I said, trust me, I'll show you a picture in three months and they'll all be, you know, dark green. And sure enough, I pulled the picture up perfectly later, three months later. And, you know, they all look perfectly fine. And, and you know, just because you come out one morning because it's so hot, it doesn't mean that it's gone forever and you're just going to give up and throw in the towel and, and walk away, right? No, and I think the, you know, the the most important aspect of all that is that you know, grass in particular, right, and and turf grass more specifically, is one of the most widely adapted plants on the earth, right? It grows in all sorts of places, and from a natural standpoint, right, it's it's natural biology. It wants to go dormant in times of stress during the summertime, right? It's meant to do that, and so uh, the the idea of you know a green lawn all summer long again just flies in the face of you know what kind of expectation do you have are you are you having other people set your expectations for you or are you setting your own and realizing hey i've got an irrigated lawn in southern ontario and it hasn't rained in two weeks yeah this doesn't look bad you know versus yeah. oh my god oh my god what are we gonna do what's you know wait what you gotta get over here like no <laughs> we're fine like it just needs to rain and yeah. when you tell people that they're like don't you have any sense of urgency and it's like I mean, yeah, I want it to rain, but I, there's nothing that we can do right now, you know, and, yeah, and you yeah. take a hose out there and, you know, uh, you know, hose off the dog pee and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, that that's that's an interesting piece there. The water piece is always something that uh, that gets people fired up for whatever reason. Right. You're using too much, you're using not enough uh, and anything in between. Yeah, I mean, I know, but some of the people get a little. uh annoyed with with you putting so much down on on your grass but i mean in the end i don't really do much else so this is kind of my entire life so might as hey. well spend it there than than somewhere else i like it 
I like it. So I guess, uh, do you really have much else that, uh, that you were looking at, at saying or asking any questions you had for me, maybe before we move on? Well, to I the, just don't, uh... no, I, just, I mean, I guess what from a, from a business standpoint, you know, you talk about the questions you ever, you get and everything like that. I guess the couple that I had for you was, you know, uh, you know, how do you set yourself apart, right. In a, in a world that, you know, you can't be like, well, Hey, I'm the only guy on the block that can use pesticides. I mean, it's, it's not like that. So, you know, help me understand, you know, just from, uh, a, a country and a restriction sense, number one, and number two, you personally, like, what are you doing to differentiate and sell yourself to, you know, a customer that has choices in the marketplace? So like the biggest thing that I guess we're trying to do is more just, you know, kind of go all the way back to the basics. I mean, I would say that, you know, the people that want that like pristine lawn where they don't want to see a single weed, you know, they can obviously go to the guy next door who has, you know, the chemicals he brought legally across the border to spray on their, their lawn and nobody will have any problem with that. But I mean, when you come to us, right, we're just there, you know, to tell you, you know, here's the best cultural practices. Here's the, the best thing that I can recommend. And in the end, you know, a lot of people are focused on the environment now and they like that idea, you know, that that there is no chemicals and it is green and that there's going to be having a less, you know, environmental footprint in, in their lawn. But I mean, I would honestly say the biggest thing that I'm doing now is more just, you know, encouraging people. As I said, some people are just like so discouraged that, you know, they've completely given up on ever having that that green lawn. They just think it's impossible and they're never going to have it ever again. So, you know, if, if we're able to encourage those those people, you know, that, hey, you can come here and, you know, I'll, here, here's a list of things for you to do. You can take care of it yourself, you know, make sure you're cutting at that proper height. The amount of push mowers I see where, you know, every wheel set a different height just boggles my mind you grab the thing the whole thing rocks back and forth you're just like what are you even what are you even thinking like come on here it says a a a they all gonna be the same height b b b c c c you know all that but uh you know like maybe that's mainly i would say the biggest thing that that allows us to kind of come in there and 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 get people on and then through social media i mean most of the stuff that i do now is is through social media and, you know, just trying to help as many people out as possible. I mean, I don't normally charge for a lot of, you know, just basic help emails about about stuff. And and that's mainly just because I want to kind of spread it and help people out, you know, just kind of understanding the basics. Because I feel like, you know, there, there's a lot of myths out there. And I feel like kind of mm -hmm. the Scott's company has kind of created like this entire, you know, four applications a year and never think about it again kind of idea about about lawn care that's a little bit, you know, skewed for what it actually is. So I feel like, you know, if you can educate people about what they're doing, you know, what is turf grass, how does it grow, you know, what's the best way to take care of it, then maybe, you know, people can in the end make their own more educated decisions on, you know, what they need to do to take care of their own lawn instead of, you know, every time there's an issue, they got to go run to the store to ask somebody or, or call somebody or anything like that. I like that. I like that approach of, of, you know, sort of being that trusted resource, right? That person or that company that, you know, no matter what, like if you want us to do it for you or you want to do it together, you know, you do some, you know, you do some of it, they do some of it, or, you know, you just want some guidance. I like that idea that, uh, you know, you're there to help. And that's, you know, people always look at, I, I shouldn't say people, but there are a lot of companies out there that look at, hey, our only value that we can provide you is to show up on your lawn with a spreader or a sprayer, and that's it. And it seems like what I'm hearing, what I've seen, 
is that hey there are different ways to do this right and the more that the potential customer you know goes in i and, and i see it all kinds of different ways right i see it where people you know start learning this stuff and they get to a certain point where like all right like i can't do this i gotta have somebody come help me yeah. I, I i i can't i don't trust myself enough to do this right or whatever or you have people that uh you know gravitate towards you know certain services and things like that that you offer well they still do their own stuff and i think that's that's sort of meeting them where they are and i i really feel like that's where consumers in general are today right that you know you can't just have the scale you can i mean there's still people out there that buy scots because they just want to be told what to do and they just want to sit there and and you know lap it up without any effort or anything like that but it sounds like those you know aren't your people you're yeah you're more and be engaged with people that are actively engaged themselves and, you know, wanting something more than what that can provide. So I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, um, in the end of the day, you know, turf grass is, is a living, is a living entity. Right. And I mean, you gotta, you know, it does some, you do some, you know, it's kind of like a relationship between you and your lawn, you know, you're trying to keep it growing and, and you can't really just kind of neglect it. Cause obviously if you neglect someone in a relationship, I'll ask somebody how that works out. <laughs> no, no doubt. And I think that's that's a that's an important thing too, is uh, you know, not getting too big, right? So that was the other question I was gonna ask is like, you know, uh, what you know, not necessarily you don't have to share, you know, what you guys do now or, or how big you are or anything like that, but like what is the goal? Like you you know, I hate I hate sounding like you know, like we're we're in a job interview or something, but you know, where do you <laughs> see the company in five years? Like what What's the goal like and and how uh let me ask it this way, right? If we're if we're sitting here on this podcast five years from today, right? We're recording this podcast, it's uh December of 2022. You know, if we're in 2027 in December and we look back five five years down the road and said, Man, it's been a really successful five years. We've accomplished or done X, Y, and Z. What are those things? What's that look like to you? First of all, I think it would be weird to be 2027. I would feel old by the time we made it out there. Well, we all we, but, we'd uh, all be older, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're much older and you you know ripped a hole in the time space continuum, then I think lawn care is probably a little beneath your pay grade. But okay, I hear you. Um, but you know, like I mean, you know, right now it's just me, and uh, you know, I worked at a uh, lawn care company like throughout high school in the summers, right? Just cutting grass, doing fertilizer, spraying chems, and stuff like that. And then I did a year, year and a bit at a golf course, um, and just kind of you know wasn't into the uh, twelve a.m. to twelve p.m. kind of work, uh, wasn't my style. So you know, I I am a full time carpenter at this point. You know, I'm working. Uh, building stuff framing houses building decks all that stuff but i mean my my goal for great crew north would you know to have and i'm trying to kind of get out of the you know cutting grass and and slinging furt kind of you know mm-hmm. lifestyle it's not really what i want great crew north to be i mean my goal would be you know to have a bigger social media presence you know where we can kind of educate homeowners i mean i think that's the biggest thing you know i think there's a lot as i said before there's a lot of misinformation out there and i think if we can get, you know, the correct information into the correct hands, then, you know, maybe we can kind of spread, you know, get rid of some of the, you know, negativity in the lawn care, you know, about lawn care and about lawns in general and about, you know, and, you know, in the end, you know, some of these fertilizer and chem bans came from misuse, right? Because homeowners, you know, some homeowners didn't understand 
how they worked and they were throwing down, you know, fertilizer. Well, and then, you know, next 10 minutes, 15 millimeters of rain came down in an hour and washed it all into sewers. And, <laughs> and that was that. I should be, but I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. So if we can, you know, help educate homeowners, you know, maybe we can get some of these things, you know, kind of running more, you know, less waste producing things better. And, you know, if we can kind of make more of a community, right. Where everybody's helping each other out and, and everybody's knowing what's going on. And if great crew North can kind of be a part of that and help educate people and get people more aware of what's going on with, with turf grass, especially in, in Canada. I mean, that was really what, what got me into it. Like, I mean, I'd always kind of been into lawn care stuff for a really long time and I'd been really nerdy in my backyard going around and doing stripes and, and all that stuff. But what really got me into it was that I saw, you know, there was this kind of void in the Canadian market where there was all these American guys out there, uh, you know, Alan Hain and all those guys, and they all had their product lines, right, that they were pumping out, you know, buy this, buy that, put this down, then put this down, then. And you're sitting here watching as a Canadian, and you're going like, um, <laughs> what if I can't? Like, what do I do now? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. that's where I really latched on to to you and Ryan Knorr and and your podcast, too. And I thought that that uh, you guys did a great job at explaining, you know, back down to basics and cultural practices and taking care of your lawn and, you know, maybe trying to do preventative things so you don't have to put down that, you know, uh, pesticide application or whatever because you made it to that point where you let those things kind of take over. Uh, and if you can kind of, you know, stay on top of things and look after things and maybe you can keep those other issues under control and then you don't have to end up, you know, getting to a point where, you know, you're throwing down you know, for fungicide applications a year or whatever, because, uh, because you're watering at, uh, night every day and, and your lawn's always sitting wet and you're watering for like four hours mm. at dusk when the humidity is like through the roof, you know, stuff, stuff like yep. that kind of, uh, yeah. And I, I think that's the thing is like, you know, ed educating people, it, it's always tough, right? Because they've got to read into and buy into, you know, what, what you're putting out there. And I, 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 you know, you hear the old marketing adage, you know, somebody's got to hear something seven times before they'll accept it or, 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 or really listen to it. And I think that's where, um, you know, these concepts are, are things that, you know, from a con from a content standpoint, these concepts can be worked in over and over again, because they are, you know, they are sort of global to long care, you know, watering doesn't matter, you know, where you're at, if you're in, you know, South America or South Africa or Southern Ontario, if you don't water your turf correctly, you're going to have problems. Like that is a global yeah. issue with turf grass, right? So let's talk about that, right? And getting the basics, right? And I think you're right that, uh, you know, too often in, uh, in, in YouTube lawn care and, you know, in, in other media outlets, right? It's, I have this problem, so I need to apply this product to fix it. And what I'm hearing from you is that, I mean, yeah, you could, or in some cases, you know, like where you're at now you can't, and here's what you can do though. Right. So, you know, always giving people another option uh, on, on how to do it. And I think you'll find, I mean, at least in my experience and, and what I see of those around me is that, you know, if you continue to put that content out there, that people will gravitate towards that people will, you know, come and ask and say, Hey, you know, we need great green Northern to help us do this. Right. And, and, it's it's gonna either get done by you guys or it's not gonna get done at all because I don't trust myself as a consumer, you know, to follow this. And I think that's where uh yeah, maybe uh, you know, 
might only change a little bit of the world, but the, it's the part that you live in. It's the part that's most important to you. So, uh, yeah, I think that I think it'd be cool. Yeah. Well, you know, Canadians are nice, so no one's yelling at me yet. We're a little passive aggressive, <laughs> but uh, you know. No, they yell down here. We're, we 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 <laughs> definitely we're definitely yellers and screamers for the most part down here. I I take that. I I, I take that with a grain of salt, but. No, yeah. I, I hope I hope to see that. I hope to see, you know, more of the content coming out. And, uh, you know, I appreciate all the kind words, you know, with respect to what uh, Ryan and I do. It's a lot like this, uh, you know, this particular podcast where, you know, we roll in here, no script and we just kind of talk. And, uh, you know, the folks that I'm, I'm fortunate enough to do podcasts with are all people that I don't agree with everything that they say. And it's important for me to participate with people like that, but also they're on my wavelength they 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 want the same things they just want to do it a different way and you know my uh my life experience has taught me that you know making yourself uh feel uncomfortable or putting yourself in you know those situations where you have people that disagree with and argue with and you know pushes you you know to do better and and find better ways and challenge your thoughts and everything like that and so uh yeah, I think you'll do that too. I think with your with your content and what you've already put out, what you continue to put out, if it, if you stay on that uh, that track, you're going to challenge what people think, you know, about the Scots program or about whatever it is, right? Uh, and that'll get people thinking. And again, you you when you sit down and identify who your you know ideal client is, it's not somebody who is steadfast and you know will die on the hill that you know Scots forever or nothing. You know, you guys are all yeah. like th- those aren't your people. Your people are you know, the people that, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. Or, Hey, I think the Scots thing might be bullshit, man. Like, you know, what, yeah, what are we doing here? Well, and I mean, that's, yeah. I've been there. I've done the Scots stuff and I can tell you from experience that, uh, that this is what I'm doing right now is, is, you know, miles better than I would have, I would have never gotten here if I stick on the Scots program and, you know, the Scots program, it got me, you know, 20%, 30%. It got me, yep over that initial hump but it it never would have got me to this point and i think that's again that goes back to you know uh, what i said earlier about uh the expectations thing it, it, it's almost like like you have these like levels you know that you know you graduate towards uh in your you know in the products that you use or don't use or the beliefs that you have and the way that you are able to work yourself through problems, right? You add more layers, you add more complexity for sure, right? But that also leads you to more situations, right? Whether it be, you know, weather, irrigation, sunlight, trees, like all the things that, you know, ham- could hamper turf, right? Or make it better. Yeah. I-, I think as you add that li- those layers of complexity, you have the opportunity to be successful in more of those situations on a more consistent basis, right? You know, Scott's gives you a window that, you know, is, you know, uh, maybe a, a skinny person, not like myself, might be able to wiggle through. But, but I like a window that uh, I'm, I'm not a small individual. I'd like to, you know, a window I can comfortably climb through. And that's going to require a level of complexity when it comes to lawn care that, uh, you know, you got to add some stuff. You got to have some stuff in the arsenal, whether it be cultural practices, you know, products, equipment, all those types of things. And uh, that's the name of the game is is making it easy on yourself to. Uh, to the extent possible you can to be successful. Yeah. Well, and I always say too, it's really easy to take, you know, a, a lawn that has 30% grass, 
and make it a lawn that has 80% grass in one season. That's yep. You can easily do that. It's yep. holding it at that, you know, 80% for the next, you know, five years. And then it's getting it from that 80 to that, you know, 90, 95. That's where the real work comes in. Right. And that's when you got to start looking at, you know, getting off that, that, you know, Scott's program and, and finding other ways to make a change because when you get to those small minute changes you know the littlest thing makes a big big difference well when you start getting to that point a thousand percent a thousand percent and uh, you know to take it into the world that i deal with you know i'll give you an example of you know you go to a a a client's place that has a a field that's just you know awful right sports field and you know you, you you renovate it you do what you need to do and whatever that looks like you know sod seed whatever the case but inevitably what ends up happening is you know you you stand on that field a, the first year after and they're just like amazed they're like i can't believe we went from what we had before to what we have now like this is a you know an hgtv like transformation it's amazing right and they're awestruck and then in year two we start down the road of hey you know uh I, I, it seems like it might be a little uneven over here. Do you think there's something? Oh yeah. You know, we probably just need to top dress that area a little bit more because you know, the traffic from the teams or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then it turns into, Hey, there is the third year. You're like, there's a spot, you know, right by the six yard box on the North end of the field where the goalie will kind of like walk up to, you know, to kick the ball down to midfield that it, it's just not right. Can we look at that spot? And that's what I'm saying about expectations right like the more you can zero in and the more that you can target those specific areas and realize that you know i don't care if you have a 500 square foot lawn a 5,000 square foot 50,000 square foot whatever it is right a lawn it ain't all the same right you can do your damnedest and try and treat it all the same but you know there are spots which which you will have to zero in and and treat specially right to get everything to be you know homogenous and beautiful and whatever else you need it to be so uh yeah i like that idea that you know the the dial so to speak gets turned up you know little by little and you you i think it's important to walk you know a customer or a client through that journey hey here's where we're at here's where we're going right and i'll tell those folks you know in year one and year two listen you you're i'm glad you're awestruck in year one but you're going to be uh yelling at me and complaining i don't yelling is a, a relative term but you're going to be you know uh uh constructively criticizing me yeah you know a year from now about oh no 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 we're just so happy it's like this i'm just saying you watch you see and it and yeah. it happens and i i bring it back to light hey you remember a year ago when you said and and it's not throwing it back in their face it's just to say hey your expectations are going up and that is good that is a yeah. good thing so uh, yeah, you got to bring that to light. I think it's important for people to to realize that on their journey and make them feel like they're not like you know inferior because they thought, well, I used to believe this. Like there, we we talk to people all the time, you know, on our other podcasts. Like, oh, I can't believe like what you're saying. Sort of, you know, I can't believe I believed in Scots. It's like, no, 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 like that. That's a thing, and it can work, but it's just not going to meet your expectations. Don't be mad about that. Just you know, you've gotten better. You've you've leveled up and you're in a different spot right now, you know? So, yeah, uh, yeah it, it well, is what I mean, it is. You know, but... my neighbor has a lawn care company and they come and do, you know, weed and feed, you know, three, four times a year. And, and then she has a guy cut it and, and they cut it, you know, three and a half inches. And it looks pretty decent in the spring and the fall. They put some pretty nice stripes into it and it, it looks, it looks okay. 
And then in the summer, it can get pretty toasty. Other than that, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's perfect for her. She doesn't do anything else with it. And, and to her, that's her 100% looks awesome. I'm good with it. But to me, I stare at it and, uh, and it gives me chills up my spine sometimes, but I mean, it is, it is what it is. <laughs> Gosh, that's funny. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, that's the hard part, right? Is that, uh, restraining yourself from, you know, trying to, how do you, how do I say this? You know, without being pushy, uh, yeah. telling people that, Hey, you know, there is a better way. And it's hard to thread that needle sometimes, whether it's with a prospective client, it's with a neighbor, it's a, a friend, you know, you know, somebody you see at the bar or restaurant, whatever, you know, whatever right? It, it's hard to thread that needle. And so I think that's where it's more important than, you know, fighting. And, and, and again, fighting is too strong of a word, but, you know, advocating on that level, it's a lot easier just to advocate and say, hey, here's how we do it, right? Rather than say, this guy's wrong. Or here's where, you know, you could be doing so much better. You say, hey, this is what we do. And people, yeah. like I said, the people that are into it will realize, oh, hey, that's not at all like what I do right now. That's different. And I like the way that, you know, his stuff looks. Let's talk to him and figure this out, right? So I think you're on the right track. I'm uh, I'm, 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 proud to see what you guys have done so far. It's been cool to watch and, and cool to catch, catch up on the channel here. I haven't had a chance to watch and a while uh unfortunately and because uh, i've been busy but i've caught up here the last several days and you know drive around the car and pop a video on and yes i've kept my eyes attentive don't worry <laughs> but uh you know it's uh it's cool to see so you know keep doing what you're doing and uh you know don't let up just you know you have a good network you have a good group of people that you can reach out to and uh you know continue that leveling up process and you know resetting your own expectations so that you can reset them for your clients Sweet, awesome. I appreciate all the uh, all the praise. Yeah. So what's the what's the big question? You you, you teased me here and said that oh there's a there's a big one here. You know, there's one at the so, end that's normally at the end of the show we like to do successes and failures. So this is like the segment where we talk about, you know, one time we did a really great thing in the lawn, you know, it worked perfectly and everything went as planned. And then another time we said, oh, this is going to be great. And we went out and we did it. And then three days later, we were just looking at the lawn that we just burned half of it. And we're shaking our head and, and banging your head against the wall. It doesn't have to be that bad. But uh, uh, the biggest thing is, as I was talking about with that kind of, you know, attitude and, and discouragement problem, I think it's kind of important. You know, on social media, there's a lot of, you know, you only show the good stuff and not the bad. So I think it is a little important, you know, to show people that, you know, even people, uh, you know, kind of amateurs like me and professionals like you that are, you know, doing stuff, it, it goes wrong every once in a while. And, uh, and uh, well, sometimes more than every once in a while. And I think it's good to, you know, let the people out there know that, uh, that, that it does happen to us too. So I didn't know if you had a specific story in mind of, of something that, uh, that maybe didn't go as planned from this year or from last year, or from years past that you wanted to share with the, uh, the folks yeah. out there. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say, you know, it, the, it's funny this year, the, the negative and the positive are the same project, which is not typical. Um, but this year I, I talked a little bit about the, the first part of it on the podcast with, uh, Ryan Knorr, where we had a project, uh, that, 
was all ready to go, ready to ready to grass, like uh brand new uh root zone material, like you know, brand new uh this sand based field, uh drainage the works. I mean, this field was uh, you know, all in probably near four hundred and fifty thousand US dollars. I mean, it was this big time field. And uh the day before we were supposed to get grass on it, uh we were sprigging it with Bermuda grass. So you need a lot of water, like, you know, almost as uh, probably a little bit more than sod even to keep this stuff alive. Uh, big storm goes through. I think you guys actually had some really bad storms around that same time too. Knocked out. Yeah, a bunch around of end power of May then. Like yep. It was the first, yeah. this is the first yeah. two weeks of June and we lost power. We had no power to our pumps, you know, for uh, irrigation purposes and all that kind of stuff. And the guys are showing up. So we've got, you know, a uh, uh, sod, you know, or the sprigs are coming from uh, the eastern shore of Maryland, you know, so a nine hour drive. And our yeah. sprig crew is coming from the central part of the country in Missouri. And they're all meeting up right here, you know, kind of the midpoint, uh, which is here in Columbus. So, you know, we had no choice but to go forward with it and uh, scrape together a generator and call electricians and get favors done and, and, and got everything hooked up and, you know, ran it manually. Um, not as much as we we wanted to and so those things struggled uh that field struggled for the first you know six seven weeks of its life and unfortunately you know it just wasn't there when they were ready to host their first game and so we had to have you know we you know we we didn't you know we were honest the entire time but still never a conversation we want to have like hey your first game that you're supposed to have out here and the community is here to celebrate and it's a big deal and everything like that well it's not going to happen you know we got to push it back and so it was a lot of fighting and scratching and clawing. We did a lot of different things. We did some crazy stuff. I mean, we put um, growth blankets on that field in the middle of summertime for a week, um, you know, to cover it like stuff we would do in the wintertime. We did yeah. it in the middle of summertime just to kind of create a greenhouse effect and get that stuff growing like crazy. And it did a really good job. It definitely, you know, uh, fast forwarded things, but it still wasn't there. So that was the tough part. The first, you know, nine weeks of that project were just, awful we had awful weather to start uh you know we got it done and then we're ready to grass we lose power all that kind of stuff so the flip side of this though is that um you know we we had those extra couple of weeks to get it growing in and it made a huge difference we got a a little heat wave mini heat wave right before and that's what we really needed to kind of get the stuff to fill in uh everything worked out great on that side of it you know have the first game and people are just over the moon for it and you know, the cool part about it was because we had, you know, done all the right things. And so been in a sticky situation and just continued, okay, hey, today, what can we do to make this better? It's a it's a terrible situation. It's this, it's that, right? We've got all the, you know, the cards are down, the chips are down, whatever. And what can we do today? You know, stacking those days up got us to the point where you have the first game and it looks great. But it just kept getting better and better, right? The quality of the turf right? The durability of it, all those things just continue to get better through the season. And, you know, I attribute that to, you know, not, not getting too down in the dumps about negative stuff that happened. Right. And it was, it was bad. I mean, you still had, you know, still delayed a game or still had to move a game to, uh, you know, their opponent site and things like that, which is never good. Um, but because we were persistent and we were, um, you know, focused on again, that day and what we needed to do, uh, that that made a huge difference for us. So, and you know, if that had happened, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, you know, for me, 
I'm not sure that the outcome would have been the same. I think, you know, I, I you know, would have got flustered, pissed, you know, you know, uh, you know, you, you start, you know, questioning decisions, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, that, 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 uh, that calmness and that confidence that comes from, you know, okay, Hey, put yourself in uncomfortable conversations and comfortable situations. Right. And you work your way out of them. That's well, when, when that really happens, right. And your back's against the wall, you know, it shows who you are and what you do. And so, you know, we didn't win the war. We didn't cure cancer. We didn't do anything. You know, we just, we just, you know, grew grass on a high school football and soccer field, you know, in Ohio. But, uh, yeah, you, you still have, you know, a whole community of, you know, several thousand people that are, you know, counting on you and they want to come out there and see their kids, grandkids, nephews, brothers, you know, cousins, whatever, uh, play ball on it. And when they can't, that's a problem. But, uh, they, you know, when they did come out and finally see it, it was like, you know, they couldn't believe again, it was like that uh, HGTV moment, you know, that big reveal, uh, and they were over the moon for it. So proud of that and proud that, uh, you know, in, in short order, we were able to make, uh, you know, our number one negative into our uh, number one positive for 2022. So, yeah, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. And did, did the team win in the end on the field? Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. yeah they, actually had their, they, had their, they had their best season in like 30 years. So I'll oh, go ahead. Go. We'll, we'll, we'll take, we'll take a little bit of that credit, you know? Hey, yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, no, seriously, they, they did it all. We, we, you know, that we had nothing to do with that, but all things considered, uh, I, I think this, you know, the, the, the lesson there is just a mindset thing, you know, uh, it's easy to get pissed off, you know, uh, if you're a lawn care operator and, you know, customer calls and complains, it's easy if you're a homeowner and you're taking care of your own lawn and something doesn't go according to plan, or you just spend all this money on a particular, you know, treatment or a product or, you know, this time on doing something and it doesn't work out. And I can tell you that as a professional who's done this over and over and over again is you have to get used to it because, you know, seldom uh do you get everything that you want and seldom do you get everything that you plan for uh to be the result and you know that is the true measure of uh, a good turf grass manager whether you're a pro or an amateur or anything in between is you know how you deal with failure how you you know deal with the potential of failure of okay hey something could go bad here if that happens what are we going to do right and that's the measure of a true uh a true turf grass manager a true grass grower so um, I, I, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying I'm the best at it at all. Um, uh, but I love the opportunity relish and the chances that uh, I get to continue to get better. And I, I like watching other people go through it too, and trying to help them along and, uh, seeing their journey. So, um, that's why I was so excited to come on here and, and talk to you tonight and, and hear more about what you're doing and hear how the business is growing and everything like that. I think, uh, you know, you, yeah, you're 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 doing the carpentry thing now, but I could see uh I could see that fork in the road moment coming someday for oh, you. Yeah. You never know. You never know. You never know. You never know. Maybe so, I'll get tired of building decks. Hey, who knows? There's uh, it's all it's something to fall back on. You got something to fall back on. You never, oh, yeah. you know, never gonna take the trades out of your bones, but uh, the grass is there and, and and needs to grow. So, and we need you to grow it. So, but yeah, no, this is this has been super fun. I really appreciate the opportunity and, uh, you know, I, I look forward to hearing more guests. You know, I, I think I'm the first one back or one of the first you ones are, back yeah. here. Yeah. So let's get it going, man. Let's, let's, you know, yeah. hey, you just keep pushing these out. And, uh, I think you'll have uh, a good winter, you know, still talking about turf while you look out the window or the basement and, uh, see snow on the ground.
Yeah, hopefully the snow doesn't get too high that I can't see out the window. No, that's, 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 that's the that's biggest worry out there. <laughs> that's, that's a problem. That's when uh, Great Green North needs to uh, add snow removal to its uh, list of services, right? At least for the house. Either that or I just uh, get on a plane, fly down, you know, somewhere a little south for a couple months, just pretend like it doesn't exist. No, that's And that's come back up and, uh, you know, <laughs> when it's all gone. <laughs> see, you got plans. You have ways. You, you're You're admitting that, you know. You know, snow would be a failure, and you're you're looking at ways actively right now to get yourself out of failure. So I like exactly. it. You already got already in the right mindset. Exactly. So. I'm bound and determined to see St. Augustine grass. I just want to see it. To me, it looks like some sort of alien plant. I I refuse to believe it's true until I see it in mm. person. <laughs> it's it's somewhere between cool season grass and uh, a corn plant. That's that's about yeah. The best I, I would probably say I think that's pretty good. Uh, pretty good explanation. It's uh yeah, it's interesting, but uh yeah, do a little turf tourism this winter and uh go see some stuff that you wouldn't otherwise be able to see otherwise. I think it'd be a good thing to do. Yeah, I think my girlfriend might give me shit though if I fly to a country just to see that uh, she'd probably think that's a little <laughs> No, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Just just do it. You can just you can ask it. for forgiveness later. It's it's <laughs> fine. So but anyway, well, All thanks, right. man. Again, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to come back on here next year and we'll, we'll jam on the same things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to tell everybody else where they can find you on anything else here if they're looking for Yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, other casts I do. So uh, if you check out uh, Matt Martin on the, the Grass Factor on YouTube, I do a, a couple of shows with him. One's, uh, you know, sort of an interview call in type of thing uh, called Thirsty Thursday. That's every Thursday uh 9 p.m eastern and then uh we also do a, a podcast called burn a return where we kind of go through all the latest news and things like that in the ag and turf market kind of keep people up to date give a little bit of our takes on things and what we're seeing and uh disagree on a lot of stuff and and have good conversation and then finally obviously uh ryan nor so ryan is uh in the middle of moving and and getting all set yeah. up in his new uh new uh, world headquarters so we're giving ryan a little bit of grace while he gets uh, his new studio all set up and we'll be back to casting here probably sometime early after the you know uh, first part of the year he'll be all set up and ready to go so looking forward to that podcast from the uh you're not gonna do one from the trailer that's sitting in his uh garage uh maybe maybe I, maybe <laughs> we're, we're trying to figure out internet connections and all that other stuff there's you know we need like a satellite on plank so I think he's got yeah. to sell a few more bags of seed, and I got to build a few more fields before we can get into that realm. But uh, no, okay, no, we'll okay. we'll get it done. We'll get it done here soon. And uh, I love talking with RK. We we're we're kind of like uh, a little bit of the odd couple. I'm a, I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert to a certain extent. And uh, but we both love 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 turf grass. So yeah, good times. All right. Yeah. Thank you for again for coming on, and uh, hopefully the people listening here learn something. I think I think we talked about a pretty decent amount of stuff so uh mm -hmm. yeah thank you all for listening and uh make sure to check back for the next great Green North podcast the great Green north podcast is hosted by wade murray you can find us on youtube at great Green north lawn care you can also find us on instagram and facebook subscribe on itunes and spotify and rate us five stars for more episodes of the great Green north podcast as always, thank you guys for listening, share it with your friends and family, and we will see you guys in the next one.